0: hello welcome to the brood life podcast i am your host brandon hall so grab a cup of coffee plug in your headphones and let's have a conversation today's episode and I am really excited to uh, once again have my friend Kirsch back on the podcast. This will be his fourth time on the podcast and I couldn't think of a better person to have on the podcast talking about the election that's coming up in just six days. If you are listening uh, when the podcast is published, it is only six days until election day and uh, this has been a heated and divisive and polarizing election season and there's just been a lot of stuff out there and as you will hear us talk about, a lot of us have already made a decision about who we're going to vote for. A lot of us have probably even already voted but regardless of whether you voted or not or if you've decided on who you're going to vote for, if you haven't I think this is a fantastic conversation Uh, Kirsch is very passionate about Uh, not just politics but just making sure that we're having good conversations and understanding each other and that we don't always look at politics and elections through the lens that of of a Republican or a Democrat or an Independent or a Libertarian but uh, just coming to it from a more rounded perspective so uh, there's a, He said a lot of really, really good stuff in here, and uh, I think there's going to be a lot of good takeaways for everybody uh, with it. You know why we vote, who we should vote for, and as, especially as people of faith, and also just some great takeaways on what we should do uh, if the person that we want to win doesn't win. Uh, or even if the person that we want to win doesn't win. Like, how do we react? How do we respond? And how do we love our neighbors better? So this is a great conversation. I'm really excited. And uh, I just encourage you guys to all take the time and listen to the entire thing. Uh, again, we do still have the contest going and it's going until uh, Friday, October 30th at midnight Eastern time. So if you're listening to this on the day that the uh, episode airs or publishes, then you will have about a day and a half, a couple days to enter the contest. So uh, stay tuned at the end of the episode and I'll go into more details about how you can do that. Uh, Otherwise, listen to this conversation with Kirsch and I will talk to you in a few minutes. everybody, I am uh, super excited to have my friend Kirsch back on the podcast and this is going to be his fourth time on the podcast and I couldn't think of a better person to bring on and talk about politics and so we're just going to be having a discussion uh, about not just politics but uh, because we're in the midst of a big presidential election, what it means to Uh, vote and to be involved in informed politics and be a believer and be a person of faith at the same time, uh, which is super important because that is something that is really discussed and brought up a lot uh, every election cycle, but even more so this time around. So uh, yeah, let's just get rolling. Um, So just going and talking about the election uh, this year, it's uh, coming up, Uh, when this episode airs, it'll be coming up next week, and uh, between Donald Trump and Joe Biden, and uh, and I believe there is a a libertarian candidate, is that right? That is right. Jorgensen, yeah. Yeah, Uh, Mama Joe. Yeah, so from your standpoint, as somebody who knows a lot more about politics and uh, elections and stuff than I personally do, what is makes this election so much like bigger and more epic than maybe elections, even like the election in 2016? Yeah, that's a really good question. And, and, um, you know, if you want sort
1: of more of my political pedigree, we can, you know, I would encourage you to go back and listen to, um, one of the podcasts where that was what we talked about, right? You and I spent a whole podcast talking about politics and Christianity and, um, those kinds of things. So um, I by no means am an expert, but um, as a professor of criminal justice, I sort of have to um, at least be able to engage um, with the, the political environment that we're currently in um, with students who are, are developing their own personal religious beliefs and they're developing spiritually while they're developing politically. Um, and I think that that's something we don't focus on a lot is the um, internal political development of the human psyche. Um, oftentimes it's seen as maybe um, a bad thing um, and you're, you're labeled as a flip-flop um, if your views change over time, um, but I wanna encourage everyone that that's wisdom, uh, gaining new perspectives and thinking about things in a new way. Um, all of that being said, that's my long preface to say, um, what makes this election um, different or unique um, from, from past ones, I think, has been the perceived stakes at hand. Now, what I, well, the reason I am intentional about putting perceived in there is I do not uh, believe that this is the most pivotal or important election in American history. Um, and, and many would say that, you know, that's a controversial thing to say, but um, if you look throughout uh, American history, we have been in much more serious uh, situations, right? Um, who is going to pull us out of the Great Depression um, is, is a really big deal because we had Americans dying of hunger, right? And not that we, we don't now, uh, but it was, it was widespread, right? How on earth are we going to make it through World War II? Who is going to, um, and, and you know what? This is an important one because this was the first time an impeachment was used. Who is going to reconstruct this nation um, after the Civil War right and we saw Andrew Johnson do a terrible job at that and had that election gone differently um, it's very possible um, and again Andrew Johnson uh, you know became president through uh, uh, the assassination but but what my point is um, had the election go go differently during the the Civil War right or during some of these pivotal turning points in American history um, we could, America as we know it, may not be here, um, or America as we know it would look very, very differently. And and again, by no means am I saying that this is um, not an important election. It certainly is, but in the grand scheme of things, um, there is there's a lot at stake, but by no means is it is it the most important. Now, the perception is this is the most important, but That's what most candidates, both candidates, all candidates would have you believe. And that is merely uh, a marketing ploy, right? That is the use of fear-based tactics um, because marketing and advertising has become such a pivotal piece of the election process more than it ever has been, right? As we understand more about marketing and branding, we're literally seeing the branding of Donald Trump and Joe Biden, right? And are you buying into the brand of the these two these two men rather than um, party politics as we know it, right? It becomes about the person rather than the party. And so this is the biggest perceived election, but again, I don't think it's the the most important that we've we've ever had, but we're we're not in the middle of a war um, you know, one could even say the 2004 election was, was bigger. The 2008 yeah. election was bigger when we have thousands and thousands of troops in the Middle East. So, um, hopefully no one turns me off, uh, already, but uh, I just want to, um, I just want to scale this a little bit and adjust expectations and quench, um, emotion a little bit at the beginning of this.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. And, uh, kind of like going, looking at that and uh, and like bringing it into like how uh, people of faith voting in the election, uh, we as people of faith tend to also make these elections much bigger than they actually are, uh, especially around certain subjects. And one of those uh, big hot button topics every election uh, since the moral majority came around in the 1970s has been a pro-life or to overturn Roe versus Wade. So, and most conservative evangelical believers will have you think that if you, in order to make those changes or, or to impact abortion rates, that kind of stuff, that we, you have to vote for a conservative pro-life presidential candidate. So that, I mean, the question is like, is voting for a conservative president the best way to tackle the abortion issue? As an academic, you have to look at fact, statistics, and empirical
1: data. Fact, statistics, and empirical data would say more abortions happen when a Republican is president. That's just facts, right? I'm not, I'm not trying to offend anyone, um, but as an academic existing in academia, um, we use empirical data. The empirical data says, more abortions happen when there's less sex education that takes place, less access to contraceptives um, and more unplanned pregnancies lead to more abortions. Now, that is not to paint all Republicans in a bad light. Um, I understand the issue of being pro-life or anti-abortion would be a better way to say that because most often, as we know, people who are pro-life are also pro-death penalty. And I think that in and of itself makes no sense whatsoever, especially if you're standing on scripture uh, being uh, Judeo-Christian scripture as your justification um, to be against the um, legislative argument for abortion, right? There's obviously a moral and ethical argument for it, but we're we're talking about politics. And so the legislative argument is made and you are standing on Judeo-Christian values to do that. It becomes incredibly problematic. Uh, to follow a savior that says to love your enemies and to not respond with violence while um, you gain vengeance on murderers um, with the death penalty, right? It just becomes incredibly problematic. And if you remember, I tried to remain as apolitical as possible <laughs> during that last broadcast, but um, the death penalty was the thing that, uh, that got me going. And, and this, this is no different, right? But to answer your question, again, I would, I would, I would say, that there is not a scriptural basis for voting Republican, just as though there is not a scriptural basis for voting Democrat. There are scriptural bases for voting certain policies, uh, but neither one of the two parties that we see in American politics um, have a monopoly on the right answers, right? And um, or on the scripture of those answers. There is no political religious monopoly that exists in the United States currently in our political environment um, and political climate. So what you have to do then is vote, uh, in my opinion, for what I believe to be your neighbor. Um, I think it is important that if we are called to love thy neighbor as yourself, um, then it is important to vote for your neighbor. Um, If we are called to put others before ourselves, if we are called to love others uh, more than ourselves, then we are called to vote as such. And um, I know that uh, some people are saying, well, there are people who have no voice, such as the unborn. And I would argue with that person and say the issue of abortion and access to abortion in the United States has been uh, decided at a judicial level. And the executive branch of government cannot impact a court decision. Um, there is that that decision has been made by the highest court in the land, and, and that's fine if you disagree with it, because there have been some very bad Supreme Court decisions. Right, the number one worst Supreme Court decision has got to be the Dred Scott case, and yeah. as we look at that, it it, it doesn't mean uh, that be legislate we can't legislate morality right just because the dred scott case got it wrong it doesn't mean anything right it doesn't mean anything for our religion or our morality or our ethics as a nation or whatever what it means is our court got it wrong um that's what that means and the executive branch of government cannot change it and if they can then why haven't the five or six uh republican presidents since roe versus wade Overturned Roe versus Wade we've been at it for what 50 60 years now in a post Roe versus Wade society and we've had no shortage of Republican executive branches and I'll tell you if. um, If they could do it, they would have because that's one of the most enthusiastic voting bases in the United States is the pro life. uh, uh, Group um, or or ideology, so um, what. Unfortunately, pro-life has become more so is a motivating factor to get to the polls and a emotional button to push every four years um, to motivate uh, evangelical Christians. And unfortunately, that has in many ways allowed Christians to throw away their own influence and integrity in society as they have turned their back on their neighbors or has they have turned their back on other people groups in a noble fight, in a noble fight. Again, what I'm saying is it is incredibly important that Christians figure out a way to make less abortions happen. As a nonviolent Christian, I want less abortions in the United States, but I have to look at the empirical data on how to do that and how to achieve that. And I have to ensure that I'm continuing to love my neighbor with my vote. And I'm not saying I have the right answer to that. That becomes incredibly problematic. Um, But this is the conundrum that we're seeing. And I think millennials and younger Christians are starting to figure that out a little bit as we start to see the evangelical church as we know it become a bit anemic um, and the growth has become stagnated um, and it is actually shrinking both in giving and in population over about the last five
0: to, five to 10 years, I would say. That was a very long answer, but I hope it makes sense. Yeah, no, that it totally makes sense. And uh, I don't know if you've seen any of the videos that uh, the Holy Post has put out with Phil Fisher, Uh but mm-hmm. he and his co-host uh, is Sky Jitani, Uh They just put out a video earlier this week that was, about this very subject about abortion and they did exactly what you talked about just went and looked at statistics and facts and uh the looking over the past i think it was i don't think it was every year since roe versus wade but it was i think at least the last 40 years that uh the majority of the supreme court justices that were chosen over the last 40 years have been conservative judges and so even with the majority uh supreme court justices being conservative over the last 40 years, every single time something has come up within the Supreme Court that has to do with abortion, access to abortion, Roe versus Wade, even with a majority conservative court, they continue to uphold the law, uh, which was Roe versus Wade, that was passed in the 1970s. So even if you voted a conservative president, yeah, um, and do what they're doing now, like like push, pushing these conservative judges, it's not a guarantee. That anything is going to be overturned.
1: Yeah, it's it's almost a certainty that nothing will be overturned, right? And and what's funny is I have even um, working with local candidates um, have encountered local candidates who have said and put out, you know, mayoral candidates. I'm pro-life. I'm a pro-life candidate. What in the world does it matter if the mayor of a town is pro-life? It doesn't right. matter at all mayor has no that mayor has no authority on whether or not abortions happen right no authority now you could talk about reducing access to those things but again the more difficult that we make sex education the more difficult that we make access to contraceptives of whatever variety the more abortions happen that is that is a statistical fact it is observable measurable and repeatable because we've done all of those things
0: yeah, now going, uh, kind of going along that stream of, uh, of evangelicals, faith, voting, Republican, Democrat, majority of people that uh, are going to vote, majority of people have already decided, made their decision, this is who I'm voting for. Uh, and even as we've seen the debates and stuff that like, even the people who watch the debates have pretty much already made up their mind. I, I've even already voted early here. So for those that aren't, aren't decided, that might be listening to this and we're less than a week until the election uh, and they are believers, how would you advise them to approach this decision as to who they're voting for?
1: Yeah, so it's a good question because I said recently that I don't know that there's such thing as an undecided voter anymore. Um, I would be really surprised to find uh, an undecided voter. It seems like most people have long decided who they were going to vote for in this election. Some as soon as three and a half, four years ago, right? And um, I think if people are undecided voters, what they would be is, am I even going to vote? uh, More than who am I going to vote for? And to those people, I would encourage them um, to prayerfully, um, and I'm not going to use, I don't want to use, it's too easy to use the guilt trip of, Uh, men and women have died for your right to vote. And there was a day that women couldn't vote or African-Americans, I'm not going to do that because you know all of those things. But what I would call you to do is say, can I love my neighbor with my vote? How can I do that? Who is it important to me to love? uh, Because what disenfranchised group breaks my heart? Um, And if I decide that I can love someone more than myself with my vote, how is that? And it's not my job to tell you who to vote for, um, but that's that's how I would say prayerfully consider voting. How can I love my neighbor? Um, how can I love the least of these with my vote? Um, and, and that's what I would say go into it with. But if you feel that conviction for either one, then I would encourage you, um, do not vote or wait until election day and see if you wake up with that inkling to vote. Um, and that hurts me to say, honestly, because I am such a proponent for voting and I've never missed an election, uh, both local midterm, whatever. But, um, I think it's, it's important that we put our relationship with Christ first above all. And if your relationship with Christ is leading you to abstaining from voting, that is okay. That is absolutely okay, and there's nothing that I can say or should be able to say um, or Brandon can say or should be able to say that that would motivate you away from your morality, ethics, and spiritual compass.
0: Yeah, no, that's good, and I think that's really sound advice, Uh, and this wasn't really like anything we talked about before, but this is something that I have been thinking about uh, since – my first reach out to you to talk about this. So I, uh, you know, knowing, I know some of your background, I know that you didn't, you didn't grow up in a evangelical church setting. And so you didn't necessarily, you didn't necessarily have that influence over your decisions when it came to voting or politics or whatever. But a lot of us and myself included did. And, uh, you know, so we, we grew up, and I grew up, uh, that pretty much said, and which is still the same case now in a lot of large evangelical churches, was that you know if you you if you are a believer and you love Jesus, then you have to vote Republican, uh, you have to vote conservative, and uh, so I don't really talk about like my my politics a lot. Uh, I I'm, I talk a lot about things I'm passionate about marginalized uh, Mm. and making sure people's voices are heard but I like you I think you have a a different perspective on this because you weren't uh, surrounded and influenced by that culture and so for me like this year so I'm just gonna be honest here last year I wrote in uh, because I didn't I couldn't vote for either candidate uh, so I wrote in uh, a name, and then this year I vote. I voted for Biden and Harris is who I voted for. Right, I cast my vote, so nobody can convince me otherwise anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, I, there is a like this culture that like it. I'm going to be 40 in March, so so I'm almost 40 years old. And it took me until this point where I was able to go into the voting booth and or even like watch like the, the Democratic National Convention and not feel guilt about choosing wow. a candidate outside of a conservative realm a Republican or whatever. And so it's just, uh, so I, this might lead into like our, our next kind of discussion point but like for you not being influenced by that environment and that culture Like, how? what would you say to those of us who have been, uh, like, influenced greatly by that culture and almost feel a sense of, like, guilt or even sometimes shame about voting outside of that conservative, even Republican group? Because uh, we, even if it may not have been uh, specifically said to us, it is implied that our... uh, where it is implied that our heart and our relationship with Christ isn't in the right place if we vote for the Democratic Party? Yeah, that's a good question. And I know that there are a lot of people
1: who are listening that really identify with you, right? And are really yeah. in that same that same place. And that's heartbreaking. So um, I talked about this in the other podcast, but I grew up in a political family first. Um, we were not innately religious. Um, we didn't attend religious ceremonies. I went and walked in more uh, parades uh, for political candidates, and I went to more Lincoln Day dinners, and I went to uh, more uh, election night um, events, and I worked more polls. I would get out of school to work polls for candidates, um, whether that be an aunt, uncle, uh, dad, whatever, who was running for political office. Um, I've been around politics for as long as I can remember, um, and so I did. I I, I experienced more political engagement than I did church services growing up. And one of the the unique things about growing up in a political family first is you have an understanding that Democrats um, or Republicans or whatever is on the other side, love this country and love the city and the county or wherever it is that you're campaigning for just as much as you. And they want the best for the people in that city, county, or country. The only difference is how we get there. That's the only difference. And I wish Americans would realize that the person on the other side of the political aisle wants the exact same thing that you do. They want a safe community to raise their children in. They want opportunities for everyone. And they want to be proud when they go somewhere else to say, I'm from the United States. I'm from Indiana. I'm from Allen County, I'm from Johnson County, I'm from Fort Wayne, I'm from Franklin. They wanna be proud of that. And the only difference is how we achieve that goal. The rhetoric that's happening in this current election, the other side wants to destroy this country. That is a lie, that is false. Don't believe it, don't buy into it. What you're doing is you are vilifying a human being. You are labeling another human being as evil, and you are placing your own assumptions about their character on them without ever having met or had a conversation with them. I can't think of something that's more the antithesis of scripture than that. So growing up in a political family first, we grew up Republican, as Republican as you can be but there was no religious dogma associated with it. But we had wonderful, enriching friendships with Democrats. Wonderful friendships. There was no animosity there. Election nights, we, were, we would see each other and, and, and there was no tension or whatever because we knew we both wanted the best for the county. We both wanted the best for the state uh, if it was a state representative seat and there was never any animosity. And I think, unfortunately, Christians have vilified the other side and used fear-based tactics to proselytize not Christianity, but the Republican Party.
0: Mm, The
1: American church has evangelized for republicanism more than it has the gospel in recent years. And that should be a convicting statement. If you find yourself evangelizing and proselytizing for conservatism and republicanism, and you shout the name of Donald Trump more than Christ, you should feel conviction. It is vitally important that we understand that the people on the other side of the aisle, if you are a Democrat, not every Republican is racist, and not every Republican wants to destroy this country. If you are a Republican, not every Democrat is a Marxist, socialist, dirty word, whatever. They want the best for this country they want safe schools for their children they want roadways without potholes they want infrastructure they want lower taxes or they want their taxes to be used for quality initiatives that is all we all want both sides and the only difference is how we get there so if you find yourself saying i don't understand how someone could be over there, how someone could vote for this person. It is now your obligation as a Christian to find a person who fits that bill and prove yourself wrong. Love on them. Buy them a drink. Humble yourself and think I might have this wrong. You should assume that I might have it wrong. And we talked about the Enneagram Five. Maybe this is my Enneagram Five coming out—that I have tendency to be able to see both sides. But I dearly. I dearly love Democrats, and I dearly love Republicans, and I've been to campaign events events for both, um, and I will continue, because at the end of the day, I want America to be awesome for my kids. I want to give my kids a better, safer country and community, and the only difference is how we get there. That is a heck of a soapbox, and it sounded like a campaign speech, and I'm not announcing my candidacy, but I think (laughs) it's so important right now that we Just calm our hearts and our spirits and see the good on the other side. See the pure intentions and ask ourselves, how did that person get there? And if we don't know, then just sit down, buy them a cup of coffee, listen
0: to the brood life together and ask. Yeah, no, that's good. I think that's good. (laughs) Yeah. And I love that you're passionate about that. Uh, so kind of going back to what uh, you had referenced earlier is that you know how the best way for us to love our neighbor is in the voting booth. Uh, I heard I've heard that said before, like sure. that's the best way that we can show love for our neighbor. And so thinking of that, because we as an American society we are very individualistic. We don't We don't see we see our guilt as individualistic. We see our innocence as individualistic and we vote for what is best for us. So how can we go from this individualistic thought process of I'm voting for myself or my own benefit to a more community-minded approach of voting for the greater good and what's gonna be best for my neighbor?
1: Yeah, and, I, and the only correction that I would make is um, I, don't, I don't think, and if I said it, I apologize. I don't think the best way to love your neighbor um, is to vote for them. What I, what, I, what I think I mean, because the best way to love your neighbor is to legitimately go meet them, spend time with them, love on them in a personal sure. level, right? Uh, but sure. what I mean is the best way to vote is by loving your neighbor, I, I guess, if that makes sense. I don't want to play semantics, yeah. but I don't want people to say that, um, you know, I'm saying, okay, vote and then don't go sure. volunteer at a soup kitchen uh, or, or protest or whatever, but I um, that being that being said, you know, um, I I think that if um, if we begin to be intentional about community, then it will transpire in our hearts. And what I mean by that is, as you're listening to this, do you know the names of both of your neighbors in your neighborhood? If the answer is no, then you are not living in the best possible community, right? If you don't know the name of your neighbor across your street, you are not living in the highest possible level of community. And if you practically humble yourself and you take the initiative or um, the intentionality to go just meet your literal neighbors, not as the Bible uses it, but literally, the people who you mow up next to their yard—if you don't know their name, why on earth don't you? That makes no sense to me. You should know your neighbor on both sides of you, physical neighbor. And if you begin to be intentional about cultivating community within yourself, your heart will then be drawn to vote and love those people that way. Um, and and so. The, the reason I'm saying this is because yes, America has become uh, intellectually individualistic, but we've also become incredibly physically individualistic. And if we yes. can adjust the physicality of our individualism, hopefully the intellectual individualism will begin to get stripped away as well.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think that's good. And I think that you know even when you talk about the church itself well, the thing that is missing is community and uh it's mm-hmm. not just impact in- and because we are lacking that community aspect where we have relationship with our neighbors and those people that we come in to contact with on a daily basis yeah
1: and i, I, I real quick i don't know if you're going to ask about this but one of the things that I would encourage if there are any pastors listening is make sure that a Democrat feels comfortable in your congregation. Make sure uh, that you do not use the political, um, the subtle political statements in your in your church services because what that does is that begins to build this incorrect uh, posture that the church or Christianity is only exists um, in one of those political parties. And and we said it before, neither political party has a monopoly on scripture. And so um, I would just encourage um, pastors to be intentional about making sure that our liberal brothers and sisters feel comfortable in your congregation. Um, And I can say personally that that has not been the case uh, from what I have seen in my spiritual community And I've seen, unfortunately, as of late, a lot of young people leaving the church because conservative ideology has not met any resistance, whereas a liberal ideology has met an incredible amount of resistance, even to the extent of phone calls from the pastors asking them to take uh, Facebook posts down and stuff like that. So um, that becomes incredibly
0: problematic. Yeah, I agree completely. So kind of like in that same vein of community and church. So let's fast forward to uh, either late Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning. And if we're being really honest, there's a good chance uh, that we may still not know who's the president on Wednesday morning, uh, depending on how things go. Uh, But say we do, and regardless of who wins the electoral college, what do we do as believers if the person that we wanted to win the presidency does it win on Tuesday night? That's a great question. You need to be thinking
1: about that now.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. You need to be thinking about what am I going to feel if this happens? Prepare yourself for that grief or for that celebration, but understand that um, there are people on the other side of that and they should be in your community as we talked about. And I would encourage every single American listening, have that Democrat, have that Republican that you know you're going to reach out to election night because it will be good for you if that Republican candidate wins, that you reach out to your Republican friend and say, hey, I know this was really important for you and I'm happy for you. If your Democrat friend wins, hey, I know this was a really important election and you were really passionate about this. I'm very happy for you. I bet you're really happy right now, right? I bet you're ecstatic, whatever you would say. But more so, have that Republican friend, if the Republican candidate doesn't win, that you say, hey, I know this was really important to you and I'm so sorry it didn't go the way you thought. Please let me know if I can be there for you. Do the same if that Democratic candidate wins. Hey, I know this was very personal for you. I know you're scared and you don't know what your future holds, but know that I am there for you no matter what. And if you can think right now about that Republican friend and that Democrat friend and have them ready as soon as that candidate is called that they have won the presidency, and you immediately reach out to them and you let them know in a moment of humility and intentionality that you're thinking about them, you're praying for them, you're praying over them, you're happy for them, you're hurting for them. What a beautiful way to cultivate community. And what a beautiful way to either celebrate with a friend or or grieve with a friend in that moment. And that will be healing, Uh, for you, or that will be fun for you. Um, And and I think that is the best possible way. And if you know for your own mental health, it is not good for you. Don't watch those results alone. Have a friend, have someone with you who's like-minded and and can just be there for you if it doesn't go your way. Um, I would question um, your post um, that night. Do not post out of emotion, both good or bad. Um, give it a night, sleep on it, sleep on those results. And um, be. if you're going to be intentional about communication, be intentional about individual communication. Because I think if we all reached out to a Republican friend and a Democrat friend that night, um, even if it doesn't feel good, even if you're on the losing end and you're messaging your friend who won uh, and saying, hey, I'm happy that you got what you wanted. Uh, What a slice of humble pie for you, but it will be good for the community at large.
0: Yeah, and I think that the one thing that we uh, tend to forget and need to remember is that regardless of what the results are and who wins the presidency, like our uh, passions, our goals, our work, what we wanna see happen doesn't change. Uh, regardless of who's in the White House and we can still keep you know pushing forward and making sure everybody's voices get heard regardless of who wins that presidential nomination next week.
1: Yeah presidential election does not change your calling on this planet Um, and I think that's important that that people know that Um, if you're continuing to find what breaks your heart and wear yourself out trying to fix it that's not going to change on Wednesday after the election. So that people, that person, that cause, your job, that is what God has called you to just the same. So you wake up the next morning, you grieve if you're grieving, but you understand that God has still placed a call on your life and you are obligated through scripture and your commitment to Christ to continue to move forward um, with gumption and
0: zeal as ever before. So when am I going to be able to vote for you? Ah, that's a good question.
1: We are just not—we uh, are just not quite ready uh, to talk about that. But uh, you know, I—I—I I, I said it. I think on the the political one, uh, we are pretty sure that we know uh, what. And we know when, uh, but now it's just making sure that that team is assembled and the infrastructure is assembled and all of those things before um, before we make anything public. Nothing this year, that's for sure. Nothing this year or probably nothing next year, but uh, who knows in 2022.
0: So look at well, your election calendars,
1: when- figure out what, uh, seats are up and maybe you can use some deductive reasoning but that's that is the most i have ever said
0: in public about it and that's probably the most you'll get out of me but good question no that's fine just whenever it does happen you can count on me to be there and uh campaigning for you i appreciate it i'll send you a (laughs) (laughs) t-shirt so i know you already answered this question uh the last time but i'm asking everybody What's your drink of choice when you go to a coffee house? Yeah, so um, I, again, I'm
1: right now, I've been just doing um, black coffee with two sugar in the raws. I've really been on the sugar in the raw kick recently. And I feel like it's, uh, I feel like people don't talk about sugar in the raw enough, right? Um, It's (laughs) it's way better sugar. Uh, It is, that's true. White granulated stuff. So, um, and for a long time, I only did black coffee. But um, it's a little bit of nostalgia. My grandfather who passed away um, used to have sugar in his coffee. And so I started trying it. And it's not a ton, but um, I'll put a little sh- sugar in there to, to liven it up recently. Now, if I brew at home, like if I brew on my Chemex or if I brew in my Aeropress, um, I will not, I will not sully that goodness. But if I just have like yeah. a drip cup or something like that, then I will throw a couple sugars in there. But uh, again, someone preached the gospel of sugar in the raw to me, and I am drinking that Kool-Aid because uh, it is just unbelievable.
0: Awesome. Maybe well, that'll
1: be on my campaign platform, sugar in the raw for everyone, you know?
0: Van uh, granulated sugar. <laughs> you might get some people with that. Uh, uh-huh. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this again. Uh, this is a great conversation. I think that regardless of where people's minds are made up or what happens, I think that this is a necessary conversation. And I think that, uh, and I hope that people come away with a different perspective after listening to this. Yeah, and I don't want to extend this,
1: but I do want to thank you for having this conversation and facilitating it because I think there are people who are taking a real level-minded approach to this election and aren't finding other people who have a level-minded approach. It feels like everyone around us is so hyper-passionate about it. And that's fine, and that's good, and that's wonderful, right? And we want to love on our hyper-passionate friends. But I think it's so important that we remember uh, to just put people first. Your apathetic friends, your hyper-passionate friends, put them first. Love on them. And I really, really would encourage you to think about now who you're going to text that night um, and just love on them. Just let them know you're thinking about them or you're celebrating with them or whatever it may be. Um, But, again, um, I just want to thank you for welcoming me back for – the fourth time maybe they're getting tired of hearing of hearing from me but uh maybe not i don't know but um yeah thank you so much for having me it is it is genuinely always a pleasure and i'm always always excited to come on
0: man guys that was such a great conversation and i always come away uh, with something uh, multiple things usually when i have a conversation with kirsch and he has been such a supportive person in my own life as a friend and a supportive person on this podcast and uh, just somebody that i can go to with questions about politics and elections and racial justice Uh, he's just such a uh well-rounded and uh, informative person. And if you listen to any of the other podcasts, you'll know that he's an Enneagram 5, so all of that should make perfect sense if you know what the Enneagram is. So I hope you really enjoyed that. I hope that you took something away that you can apply over the next few days as the election season winds down and we vote for elected officials uh, in six days. So if you haven't, please make sure you go out and vote. And that's super important. And it's the best way to make your voice heard. And, uh, you know, as Kier said in the podcast, it's, uh, you know, the way that we vote is we vote to love our neighbor. And uh, so just make sure you go out there and vote and make your voice heard. Uh, If you found something informative and encouraging or impactful in this podcast and you think that somebody else would enjoy it too, please feel free to share this episode uh, with anybody, whether that's through Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or just texting somebody and letting them know about it. Uh, You can find us on social media at The Brood Life, either on Facebook or Instagram. And please go out to your favorite podcasting platform and Uh, subscribe, rate, and review. And then, again, there's just a few days left to enter the contest where we're giving away a coffee mug and a pound of coffee. So just find that post on either Facebook or Instagram and like it, tag a friend that you want to have a conversation with, and then go out and rate and review the podcast and send a screenshot of your review so that we get that, because sometimes it takes a few days for that post to show up. Uh, if you submit it, especially now since it's getting towards the end of the contest. And then uh, there's a couple other ways you can get some bonus entries as well if you go out and look at that post. So good luck to anybody who has entered and we will be revealing the winner of that at uh, 3 p.m. Eastern time on uh, Instagram live. And then I'll put out a post on every uh, all the social media platforms revealing who the winner of that is. So... Thanks again for listening this week, guys, and uh, I will see you next week as we continue these conversations. And in the meantime, uh, grab a cup of coffee and either Zoom or meet up with a friend and have a conversation. Talk to you soon.